بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله حق حمده والصلاة والسلام على محمد رسوله وعبده وعلى آله وأصحابه من بعده Welcome back to the beginning of guidance podcast by MISC Women, the Muslim Institute for Sacred Knowledge. My name is Um Abdullah and welcome back to the second episode in the final part of Imam Ghazali's great book, Bidayatul Hidayah. Inshallah, in this episode, we are going to be discussing the etiquette that we should adorn ourselves with when it comes to our relationships with what's called here brothers and friends. Brothers there meaning close companions. So other than the groups of people that we looked at last time and other than acquaintances, these are people who are close to us. Uh, these are people that we have um, a more intimate relationship with in the sense that we share more, they share with us and we really are companions together in this journey of life. Uh, so we're looking at that today and there are two aspects that Imam Ghazali goes into and he talks about the prerequisite qualities of companionship which is your first duty to look for. And your second duty, once you have found people who meet those uh, requisite characteristics, is to respect and fulfill the rights of companionship with that person or with those people. So inshallah, that is what we will be discussing in this episode. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Imam Ghazali says, and may we benefit from his knowledge, in the two abodes and also may we benefit from the knowledge of the great commentator whose book we are reading from Imam al-Jawi uh, may Allah raise their rank always he says that with regards to brothers or companions and friends before in entering into such a relationship you must do two things so first of all check for the requisite qualities of companionship and friendship for you should not take as a companion one who is not fit for that companionship for that brotherhood uh, and uh, Imam Ujawi mentions with that uh, particular comment that it's most important that you find these qualities because it's only by the presence of those qualities that you will acquire what benefits you through your companionship with this person. And uh, there are three types of uh, brotherly companions uh, that Imam Mujawi mentions. And he says there are those that you seek their company for the sake of your akhirah for your next life. And there is the one whose companionship you seek uh, for the benefit of your worldly life, but not in a parasitical way or in a using way, but rather so that you are able to experience your day-to-day -day life here um, in a pleasant and agreeable and beneficial way uh, whilst being in each other's company. And the third is those who is your companion uh, because you like to be in their company, because uh, they are fun, they are good company and they bring joy to your life and you bring joy to their life. So these are the three types of companionship uh, which are there and he says that you will not find this in one person necessarily unless that person is particularly special uh, but rather these are different qualities that you will find in different people. So you shouldn't look to have perfection in a companion because 
it's not there just as you don't contain all of those qualities yourself or express them all yourself to every person who is close to you neither will they and Imam Ghazali mentions that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has said that a person's religious life is only as good as that of his friend so let each one of you consider well whom he befriends Al-Mar'u ala dini khalilihi falyandur ahadukum man yukhalil so look carefully as to who you are friends with he also said alayhi salatu wasalam al-mar'u ma'aman ahab so a person will be with the one that they love so be careful as to whom you give your affection to and your companionship to because in the next life you will be with that person Imam Ghazali says, if you seek a companion to be your partner in learning and your friend in the matters of your religious life and your worldly life, then look for the following five qualities in him. The first of these is intellect. And this is really the most important quality because he says there is no good in friendship with a foolish person. For such friendship will only end in estrangement and breaking off relations. And this person who is a fool, who doesn't have a sound intellect or a proper way of perceiving and understanding the world around them and indeed the world to which they will be going to, um, this person may even harm you while intending to bring you benefit. And he says that an intelligent enemy is sometimes better than a foolish friend. And Imam Ghazali quotes here some poetry from Sayyidina Ali, may Allah uh, beautify his countenance. And he says, Do not befriend an ignorant person. Let both you and him beware. For how many an ignoramus has brought to ruin a gentle, forbearing man when he befriended him. A person is measured by the company he keeps, like one pair of shoes placed next to another, Everything is evaluated by comparison to its peer. A heart will reflect the reality of the heart it keeps company with. The second quality that you need to look for in your close companions is good character. Husnul Khuluk. Imam Ghazali says, Do not be friends with a person of bad character. That is someone who cannot restrain his anger or control his desire. And Imam Mujawi expands upon that and he says, it might be that your friend does know and perceive things as they really are. So you have a friend of sound intellect. However, this person can be easily overcome by anger, desire, stinginess or cowardice. And if that's the case, then they stop obeying their intellect and they start to obey those whims and end up opposing their better judgment and opposing the way in which they understand things because they have been overcome by their lower selves. So it's very important when we talk about husnul khuluk that what we're actually talking about is a person's ability to control themselves, control their impulses, their rages, their reactions to things, and that they are able to maintain their composure in all circumstances and to do so in the most virtuous and beautiful and beautified way. So this is what is meant by virtuous character. And Imam Ghazali says that, says, Al-Kama al-Utayridi, may Allah have mercy on him, summarized the traits of good character in the counsel he gave to his son when he was near death. 
He said, oh, my son and daughter, of course, if you wish to befriend someone, take as your friend a person who, if you serve him, protects and preserves you. So a person who is going to honor you, a person who will look out for your dignity, for yourself and for your wealth, not a person who will undermine or degrade you. Uh, if you spend time with him, then he beautifies you by his company. If you are in financial need, he provides for you. Take as your friend the person who, if you extend your hand towards something good, assists you in it. So Imam Ujawi says a person who, when you are inclined to do acts of worship and obedience, they are there and they encourage you. They don't laugh at you. They don't say, oh, look at you. What are you doing? Or try and take you away from it. But they uh, allow and facilitate for you to do the acts of good that you seek to perform. And further than that, if he sees you do something good, he appreciates it and remembers it. That will be towards him. And if he sees you doing something bad, then he stops you from doing it. And this is out of his care for your interest. He says, take your friend as one who, when you say something, he believes you. When you attempt something, he accepts your leadership. And if you should dispute about something, he prefers you to himself. Imam al-Jawi mentioned some of the words of the pious and their counsel with regard to companionship and friendship. And one of them says, Do not keep the company of people who do not conceal your secrets, but rather keep the company of those who cover your shortcomings and who are with you in times of your difficulty who prefer for you over their own desires, over fulfilling their own desires, and those who spread good words about you, those who cover up your uh, bad deeds and your bad qualities. And if you don't befriend anybody because you can't find anyone who's able to do that, then befriend yourself and keep your own company. Meaning what? That the company of others who don't have those qualities will not benefit you and you had best keep your distance from them. Imam Ghazali quotes another poem from Sayyidina Ali, may Allah be pleased with him. And he says, Verily your true brother is he who is really with you, who will harm himself in order to benefit you, and who, when the troubles of the time break you, will shatter himself to pieces in order to gather you together. Imam Ujawi comments on that and says that the true and real friend is the one who is by your side and accompanies you in all your states of ease and hardship, health and sickness, who tires himself for you and who sacrifices himself in order to improve your condition and your state. The third quality that Imam Ghazali mentions is uprightness or a person who is uh, rectified within themselves. And he says, do not befriend a wrongdoer who persists in committing a major transgression because someone who fears Allah would not persist in committing major transgressions. As for someone who does not fear Allah Most High, you cannot be safe from his danger. Indeed, such a person changes as his objectives change. So here he's referring to people who, when they see that they can take some advantage and get ahead in something, or they can 
use the situation to benefit from in a way that they might not have thought of yesterday because suddenly what appears to be a new opportunity has arisen, then they will go for that and end up compromising themselves Uh, through their behavior. Why? Because they're now seeking something. So this is people who have a lot of greed for the dunya, who think that their success in life is how much they can attain and acquire for themselves, for positions of power, all the types of qualities that Imam Ghazali has gone into in some depth uh, throughout the course of this book. He says, these are people who lack uprightness And they are the ones that you should stay away from. So you need to be with people who are constant, who are stable, whose goals and objectives are regulated and regular, meaning what? That they're seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whatever comes to them of the dunya, they recognize to be a test because Allah only gives deen to those that he loves and he gives dunya to everybody. So seek the company of those who Allah has blessed with deen and don't be deceived or beguiled or deluded by the things of the dunya and the people who look like they are successful when in actual fact all they have is the flimsy and uh, finite things of this life that come and go from day to day and that do not give a person stability and uprightness. Imam Ghazali quotes an ayah from the Quran, وَلَا تُطِعْ مَنْ أَغْفَلْنَا قَلْبَهُ عَنْ ذِكْرِنَا وَاتَّبَعَ هَوَاهُ He says, Do not obey someone whose heart we have made heedless of our remembrance, who follows his inclinations, whose case has gone beyond all bounds in Surah Al-Kahf. So you must be wary of friendship with a wrongdoer for witnessing wrongdoers and their transgressions on a regular basis will remove from your heart all sense of their enormity and make them seem insignificant. So basically it will desensitize you. So if you hang around with people doing the wrong thing all the time, then you stop seeing the gravity and the enormity of what they're doing. It just becomes normal. And of course, this applies to all aspects of life, particularly with the things that we're exposed to visually. Uh, We become desensitized to gratuitous violence. We become desensitized to the lack of shame and modesty that we see uh, portrayed and perpetuated on our billboards, on our phones, um, everywhere we look in the clothes, even the mannequins that are in shop windows that are advertising clothing and products, um, particularly uh, lingerie shops, things like that. Um, so our children, our boys are growing up in this, uh, and our girls, of course, are growing up in this hypersexualized world, which they don't really think very much of. Like, oh, you know, so what if people want to walk around half naked? That's just the way it is. But of course, this is a transgression of modesty and of the way in which we should perceive these things as human beings are dignified by their clothing. Human beings are dignified by the fact that they cover their nakedness, which separates them and shows the different rank that human beings have to animals because animals have built-in clothing and what they have is what they have, whereas a human being is enabled to cover themselves and beautify themselves uh, through the adornment of fabrics and things which cover their bodies. So when all that's taken away and we become desensitized to that, then we no longer feel and recognize that it really is against our humanity and our grace and nobleness that Allah has bestowed upon us to walk around in a way which shows our bodies um, and enables others to objectify and fetishize us through their glance. 
the example that he mentions here is about the crime, he says, of backbiting, um, speaking about other people in a way in which they wouldn't like you to speak about them. And this has become acceptable to people and is taken lightly. And he says that if people were to see a gold ring or a silk garment being worn by a religious jurist, they would strongly disapprove of it. Yet backbiting is a much more serious offence than that and is something that people don't even notice anymore. So again, looking at the outward symbols of people's behaviour and in this case, something that perhaps is incorrect or something that uh, shouldn't be done, but people focus on that and make a big deal out of these small things which could easily be corrected with a quiet word or perhaps were done unintentionally or perhaps it could be that somebody like a man, because men are not permitted to wear silk clothing, perhaps they wore a silk clothing not knowing that it was silk. I mean, there are so many grades of silk these days. They're not all pure. And what if somebody wore a silk shirt and didn't know? They just thought it was a type of polyester and then it's drawn to their attention. So people will... Uh, focus on things which really are not that significant and can be dealt with and when it comes to big issues like backbiting they don't even know they're doing it anymore and they don't care either because people just want to say what they want to say there's a platform for that everywhere and people just go for it this is just normal and uh, freedom of expression freedom of speech I can say whatever I want and if you're offended by that well that's your problem so this is the very degraded level that we've got to when it comes to not recognizing and seeing the gravity and enormity of the transgressions that we engage in on a day-to-day -day basis, those transgressions first and foremost against our own souls before they are against the people we are speaking ill of. The fourth quality is an absence of greed. Imam Ghazali says, do not befriend a person who's greedy for this ephemeral world because it's a lethal poison. Why? Because human nature is designed to imitate and follow by example and a person may take from another without even realizing it. So this we've kind of touched on and it's quite self-explanatory. So keeping company with one who is fervently attached to this world increases your own greed for it while being with someone who has renounced this world will encourage your own renunciation of it. And the fifth quality that you should look for in a companion is honesty. And Imam Ghazali counsels us by saying, Do not befriend a liar, for you will always face deception from him. He is like a mirage. He makes what is far seem near to you and what is near seem far. And to summarize this first duty, he says, You may not find all these five qualities existing together in those who are resident in the religious colleges, so people who are seeking sacred knowledge, or those present in spiritual gatherings or mosques. And that should let us know that Muslims are not perfect, but rather that Muslims are seekers, people who are seeking to better themselves, people who are seeking to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we're all on our own journey and our individual journeys are all being fulfilled at the same time. So my journey and your journey and all our journeys are all unfolding side by side and simultaneously and that doesn't mean that we're necessarily adorned with all these things of course but that inshallah Allah will bless us with the manifestation of 
uh, some or all of these qualities in whatever portion he deems fit and we ask Allah to give us an abundance of all that is good inshallah so Imam Ghazali says you have one of two choices either opt for isolation and solitude in which you will find peace and safety or keep your interaction with your friends proportionate to the level of these qualities within them okay so recognize what people have and interact with them on that basis always have a good opinion of them try not to be deluded and fall into any traps but be wise and be kind always in your interaction with people and imam ghazali says that you are able to accomplish that by realizing that your companions are of three types you have uh, again here, and this is what Imam al-Jawi had mentioned just previously, a brother or a companion for the sake of your hereafter. So you seek them only to support you in your religious practice and knowledge, a companion for the sake of your worldly life. And he says, don't seek from him anything other than good character. So someone who in your worldly life assists you with what benefits you and what benefits you more than good character. So that's what you should be seeking. And a person who is just simply good company to be with. And if you find that in a person, then seek nothing from him except safeness from wickedness and evil or safeness from his wickedness and evil. He goes on and says there are three kinds of people. The first group is like nourishment. You cannot exist without them. And when I think about that, I think about the daily interaction that we have with our teachers through their classes, which are broadcast um, with our sheikh and with the people who we need to have on a daily basis, like food and drink, somebody who is able to teach us and guide us and nourish us spiritually. Uh, these are people that we cannot exist without. The second group is like medicine, people who you need from time to time, um, people who will be there to benefit you um, in the ways that they're able to without any type of exploitation from either side. And the third is like an illness. People who you never need at all, but you can be afflicted by them. And these are people who do not provide you any benefit nor any agreeable company. What you are required to do though is be diplomatic and kind to people. And what you're really able to get out of this situation when you are with people who you know who are not really the type of people that you need to be with is to observe in them something which if Allah gives you the ability to see it that you will see them and use them as a mirror for yourself so if Allah gives you this capacity to look at a person and to see yourself reflected in them and to understand how you are with regards to what you have seen in them. So if you see a particular quality that you don't like, it might actually be that you have that quality, which is why you can recognize it. And so if Allah has given you that, then use this as an experience to say, okay, this person backbites all the time and I don't like it. And where's my, where am I with backbiting? How am I doing with that? Am I getting that out of my life or am I indulging in it as much as I see this person indulging in it? So uh, seeking to use what you see in other people that you don't need 
as a means of purifying and rectifying yourself. Imam Ghazali says a quote from Jesus, from uh, Prophet Isa, someone asked him, who refined your character? And why would they ask that? Because he didn't have a father. So who was it that raised you and taught you? And he said, no one refined my character. I rather saw the poor behavior of the ignorant one and I avoided it. So may Allah send peace and blessings upon him uh, and upon our Prophet Muhammad وسلم, because they have indeed spoken the truth. Imam Ghazali says if people were to avoid in themselves what they find reprehensible in others, their characters would be refined without any need of a guide. The second duty that Imam Ghazali mentions to us and explains is respecting and fulfilling the rights of companionship. Once you enter into a relationship and friendship is established between you and your companion, you are responsible for fulfilling the duties demanded by that bond of friendship. Imam al-Jawi says that those duties are the adab. So that the duty that's required for you to fulfill is that you have the best conduct, etiquette and comportment with that person. So that's what he's talking about here because every relationship has rights and duties. So in fulfilling them, there are certain rules of conduct uh, that you need to apply. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, the likeness of two brothers is that of two hands. One washes the other, meaning that there is a benefit for each other. And Imam al-Jawi says that he didn't say it's like a hand and a foot, but rather he mentioned two hands because there is a, a level of cooperation which is required there. So when the two hands work together in one person, then they are cooperating and enabling what needs to be done to be fulfilled. Uh, but if it is, and if it is that between friends, one has one hand and one has the other, then uh, this uh, degree of cooperation can be met in order to fulfill a common objective. Okay, so not cooperation over harm or evil, but cooperation between two people over uh, reaching and attaining their objective, inshallah. Imam Ghazali mentions a story where the Prophet ﷺ entered a thick grove of trees like an orchard and he picked up two tooth sticks. One of them was bent and the other one was straight. And he had a companion with him. And the Prophet ﷺ gave the companion the straight twig and he kept the bent one for himself. And depending on the narration, Imam Ujawi says that uh, this companion was either Sayyidina Abdurrahman ibn Auf or Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan. So depending on which, uh, which uh, narration you read, you might see a different name. And the companion said, Oh, Rasulullah, you are more deserving of the straight stick than I. And then the Prophet said, No one spends time in the company of a friend, even for a short time in the day, without being questioned later about his companionship regarding whether he fulfilled the right of Allah most high in it, so towards that person or if he neglected to do so. Imam Ujawi says that really what this hadith is indicating to us and pointing us to is what is called al-ithar, which is having a preference for other people over yourself. 
and in this case it is a preference that you should uh, stand by and establish and fulfill the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala towards that other person in your companionship with them. Imam Jawi mentions another story where he says that the Prophet went to a well in order to wash himself and that the great companion Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman held up a a piece of cloth in order to cover him while he washed himself. And uh, then Hudayfa went to wash himself from the well and that the Prophet also held up a piece of cloth or clothing in order to cover Hudayfa whilst he attended to his personal grooming but Hudayfa refused and he said uh, no he didn't want him to do that and he said uh, I sacrificed my mother and my father for you oh Rasulullah please uh, don't do that for me because he didn't want to inconvenience or burden or have the Prophet be in service to him because he saw himself as in service to the Prophet but the Prophet refused and he held up the cloth and he covered him until he had finished washing so that's fulfilling the right of the other person um, in the way in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the most he also mentions Imam Ghazali another hadith where the Prophet said no two friends share each other's company except that the kinder and more caring of the two towards the other is more beloved to Allah, mighty and majestic. Now Imam Ghazali moves on to the etiquette of friendship. And these are the behaviors and attitudes and actions that we should take towards someone who is our companion. And he says the first of those is to give your friend preference in your wealth. Or if you cannot do this, to give freely out of your surplus wealth when he is in need. Imam Jawi tells us that there are really three levels of this. Uh, the first that you should do is to treat your friend as you would treat a person who is in your service, like a servant, and give them money for their need. So if you see that your friend requires something, then give them that and don't hold back but help them the second level which is higher than that is that you don't just treat someone who needs something to fulfill it but rather that you will treat your friend like you would treat yourself and that the third and highest level is that you actually prefer your friend to yourself and that you put his needs before your own and that this is a very, very high station. And Imam Ujawi says that this is actually the station of the Siddiqeen, of those who have reached the highest level of ikhlas, of sincerity and truthfulness. And that this is the highest level that can be attained of those who love each other for the sake of Allah. The second quality is that you should provide swift assistance to your friend in need in person and without his having to request it. You should do this in a way which is of the highest standard of humility and humbleness. So not in an arrogant way or in a way which shows disdain or inconvenience and that you should do so in a happy and smiling way and show your friend that you are actually really pleased to be able to give them assistance should it be required. 
The other or the next uh, point is that you should cover your friend's secrets and you should conceal them and that you should also cover their faults. And covering other people's faults is actually the basis of our religion and the way in which we interact with each other. And if we see people making mistakes and errors, or in the case even of extreme violations and transgressions against others, then the way to handle this is not to go out and expose those people for their wrongdoing, which is something which happens frequently in all communities, Muslim and non-Muslim. The trend now, and this is spurred on uh, by the Me Too movement and things like that, is that when a wrong has been committed, then the uh, alleged perpetrator of that wrong is publicly exposed and uh, shamefully disgraced. Okay, Now, it is, yes, that some people actually do need to have that done to them and there are other cases where there where that is not appropriate and given that inshallah we are working within the framework and the paradigm of the islamic worldview and trying to conduct ourselves in the best way we need to go first of all from this position of satir, of covering other people's faults and wrongdoings. But does that mean ignoring them or brushing it under the carpet or just pretending things haven't happened? No, it absolutely does not mean that. And when there are transgressions, what is most important is that the alleged perpetrator of those transgressions is addressed by people of authority and people who are in a position to give advice to that person and it it is their responsibility to seek to rectify that person and their wrongdoing and as for those who have been transgressed upon then the first thing that they should be offered is an alternative so that people don't feel that because something bad has happened to them that they need to go to an extreme and go off in a completely different direction and leave that thing or that environment in which that transgression had taken place. But rather they need to be supported if it still is that the environment in which that thing happened to them is okay, they need to be encouraged and supported to find an alternative to that. Okay, so these are two points which... Uh, often get overlooked and which often get ignored um, in this rush that people are uh, about trying to expose people for their faults. Um, What I've mentioned is just very brief and just the very beginning point and there's obviously more to uh, such a discussion but it should be known that the Islamic way of dealing with wrongdoing is not to expose people publicly and humiliate people publicly but rather to have them spoken to by proper people and things to be dealt with always on the basis of satir of covering and concealing i know this is hugely sensitive uh, but we need to remember that we have fundamental principles in our religion and this is one of them regardless of the wrongdoing This is one of them that needs to be adhered to and the advice here for modern times is not to go off following the methods and the patterns and the types of behavior that other people are doing thinking that it's through those methods themselves that we will get the requisite justice for those who have been wronged. 
okay? Method is extremely important. We need to know what our methods are and what other people's methods are and we need to know what they are grounded in and should we take a particular stance on an issue where through following that method is likely to take us? Where will we end up if we follow that path? So these are just a couple of brief points for us to bear in mind when we are confronted with issues that go on in our own communities and in the broader society as well, inshallah. Uh, the other point that Imam Ghazali mentions here is not to pass on other people's criticism of your friend that would upset him, but to pass on people's praise of him that would please him. So in order to bring joy to his heart. And if it is that people have criticized your friend for a particular reason, then you should speak with them well and with advice and try and rectify it if indeed you find that that criticism has some truth to it. You should address your friend and call him by the names that he likes the most. So you shouldn't use ugly nicknames or things which will make him feel bad about himself or that pick on a particular uh, physical characteristic or otherwise or perhaps something beyond his control. You should praise your friend for what you know of his praiseworthy traits. You should thank him for the favors that he does for you. And you should defend your friend in his absence from all infringements upon his honor as you would defend yourself. And this goes back to what has just been discussed. Okay, so when we talk about infringements upon his honor, even if someone has done wrong, they're still to be treated honorably. Okay, so you don't absolutely disparage someone for the wrongdoing that they've done. And this is a very, very subtle but very important difference in the way in which we deal with wrongdoing from an Islamic perspective compared to the wrongdoing um, and the way in which it is treated by people who are not on our manhaj, by people who do not see the world as we see it. And people can see the world however they want and they do. But if we call ourselves Muslims, then the foremost... Thing we need to look for when it comes to our dealing with other people as good or as bad as those people and their behaviors and actions are is that we always maintain their honor and dignity as a human being and as a fellow Muslim and this is very very important and should never ever be disregarded. Uh, you should also give your friend advice with gentleness and by subtle hints if required. You should pardon your friend's slips and errors and not censure him unless it's really required that you do so. Because people make mistakes, people have slip-ups, people's not thinking too good on one day or make an ill sort of judgment. And often and usually those things need to happen for a person in Allah's wisdom in order to teach that person something, um, either for that or to raise that person's rank uh, because of the error and the uh, consequent trial or calamity that they may be afflicted with as a result of making that mistake, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote that and knew that that person had to do that for their own benefit, either in the dunya or in the akhirah. You should make dua and pray for your friend um, during his lifetime and after his death. And you should remain loyal to his family and friends even after his death. And so we see that in the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam after his beloved wife Khadija who was more than a companion to him she was his 
absolute life partner but when she passed away he maintained his uh, friendship and connection to her friends and he would slaughter a lamb and give them meat and visit them and maintain those relationships which were important to her in her lifetime may Allah be pleased with her you should choose to make things easy for your friend by not burdening him with any of your own needs and that's in order to keep his heart free of your concerns. So that's a very high rank as well because we often use our friends to pour out our hearts and get off our chest our problems and issues without really thinking that that might be burdensome on them and cause them grief. So we need to find a good balance there. Uh, we should express joy at all the happy occasions in, in our friends' lives and sadness at the calamities that afflict them and be there to support them through that. And we must be in our innermost heart just as we appear outwardly. This is the most important point so that we are truly sincere in our love for our friends in private and in public. And Imam Ujawi says that if we are not, then this is nifaq, this is hypocrisy in our relationship with them. Um, and that's something that we really, really need to get rid of. So just as we are with them outwardly, we need to have that same feeling towards them inwardly. We need to be the one who initiates Assalamu Alaikum when we meet them. We should make room for them in a gathering, which is what we should do for people generally. And a part of the manners of uh, people coming over to visit you is that you walk out to welcome them and that you see them off when they leave so that you actually go out to the door or the gate or wherever you are to see them on their way and you should keep quiet while your friend is speaking and let them finish what they have to say and try not to interrupt them too much so in short Imam Ghazali says to conclude you should treat your friend exactly as you would like to be treated for truly the brotherhood of a person who does not love for his brother what he loves for himself is mere hypocrisy, as Imam al-Jawi uh, also mentioned there, and it will have evil consequences for him both in this world and in the hereafter. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us first and foremost with that level of sincerity in our hearts and seeking good for other people, and particularly those who we have a closer bond and friendship with, and it's from that point, inshallah, that we are able to adorn ourselves with the correct etiquette and the right virtues and the ways in which we should be supporting those close people around us. Inshallah ta'ala, may Allah bless us with all that is good and bless our loved ones and close companions with all that benefits them in the dunya and the akhirah, inshallah. Wa sallallahu ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ahli wa sahbihi wa sallam. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu in la ilaha illa ant astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. See you in the next episode, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.